Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low-as-can-be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoons. Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, straight to business today. You will recall that the government uh, launched their Climate Action Plan for Ireland earlier on in the week and we talked about it on Late Lunch. And we're going to touch on it now from a different angle. You do know that if you live in a home that's been built nearly in recent times, going right back, retrofitting will have to happen uh, if this plan is to be implemented in full. And it may be quite costly. We're not sure yet uh, what will be involved or what assistance there may be. But you do know that at the moment there are a lot of assistance available, financial assistance, uh, in in terms of making your house more sustainable. And who better to tell us all about them because he knows all about this type of stuff than the money doctor, John Lowe. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Jerry. Great to talk to you again. I I did actually want to talk about my golf, but I'll leave that for another day. (laughs) You better leave that for another time because we lose them all, but they're very interested in what you have to say, I can tell you, uh, about this. John, I want to ask you this for a start. Um, is it worth looking at all these grants now to try and be ahead of the posse? It's, it's, it's not even just being ahead of the posse, Jerry. It's a question of, um, you know, uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You know, you, if, you, if you have an attic and it hasn't, it's not in, insulated, you can get 400 euros. Uh, to, to insulate your, your attic. You can get 400 euros for a cavity wall insulation. Um, you know, the dry lining on, on an apartment or a, yes. a mid-terraced house, 1,600 for that. And it goes up and up and up, you know, where you're talking about, you know, for an external wall insulation on a detached house. And up near your area, there'll be lots of detached houses, 6,000 euros. So it's well worth uh, people having a look at their uh, property and seeing, you know, do, do they need insulation? Because... Apart from the fact that, you know, if you, if you, if you talk about heating, 30% of a home's heat is lost through poorly insulated walls. Mm. And, you know, at this point in time, people, we, we've heard about BER, but not, not everybody has a BER cert. Is it worth getting that done as an initial uh, step here? 
you know, one of the things about the Burr Building Energy Rating Certificates is that, you know, when you have to do tinker with anything to do with your home, whether it's, you know, you're passing on to your children or you're selling it or you're, you're you know, whatever you're doing, uh, or even just a mortgage, a new mortgage on it, uh, you need a, a Burr Cert. And the Burr Cert can, can also uh, determine, you know, uh, the kind of the pricing. If, if, if you've got very poor um, rating. Um, it's it's going to be a detraction to try and sell your property. Okay, so put things into into place. It's worth to get to go and get that done initially because it'll point out as well, won't it, where the deficiencies are, and then you can look at where these grants are available. Oh, absolutely. Have you? I mean, you've seen uh, the bar certs, and they're they're very colourful, and you can see where where you know the green is 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 kind of coming in, and but it's uh, some of it is red, yeah. and you know that you need to, to address those areas where where the red is. Mm. Now the those grants and, and there are a lot of them and, and, and you've mentioned some of the key ones there yep. are there criteria uh, you know that you must meet to qualify yeah. ok well, well first of all you're going to be a homeowner or a landlord whose home was built or occupied before 2006 of applying for say an insulation or heating controls grant Um or you'd be a homeowner and a landlord whose home was built before 2011 if you're applying for a heat pump system or solar thermal grant they're the two big yes. ones in order to qualify. Okay, and that heat pump system, you know, people are uh, talking about this already where the government is saying, like you look at cars, number one, they want all uh, petrol and diesel cars off the roads by by a year. It's in the future, but it'll come. Yeah. And and then, of course, a lot of people heat their homes uh, with uh, oil and gas as well, John, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure they're going to meet that deadline, Jerry, of 2030, you mm. know. Uh, I mean, I wanted to go and get a, an electric car, would you believe, last, uh, well, this year, uh, but the government scuppered that when when they decided to cut uh, the price of the the, 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 the threshold where you don't pay BIK yeah. uh, down to, I think it was 50,000. So um, it, it's a pity because I think that an electric car now today is far more expensive than, than your petrol or diesel car, mm-hmm. and it's putting an awful lot of people off. And I think until they address that, where the, where the, the electric car is going to be more uh, efficient and also uh, cheaper than your petrol or diesel, that's the only time that the people are going to move to those cars. Okay, and these grants, uh, you can get all of them because there's too many just to go through them individually, but there's a lot of them there and they apply to many areas of people ho- people's homes. It's seai.ie, isn't that the website? Yes. seai.ie. Uh, and everything's on that. And even if if, uh, if you're a little unsure, you can go to citizensinformation.ie. That's another brilliant um, website as well to, to look at what you're eligible for. As I say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Mm. You know, it's there, it's available. And if your house needs, you know, to be upgraded, do it. Do it now. Do it as soon as you can. It's going to save you money in the long term as well. You'll be spending less on heating your home and fuels, etc. The other thing, John, is for people who have mobility issues, yeah. uh, would you mention that for me for a moment, okay, please? Well, yeah. This is a scheme where it, says, it does what it says on the tin, offering financial help towards the cost of upgrading your home in line with your mobility needs, such as you know access ramps. We have an access ramp here in the office. Mm. Uh, you have to have because we have a little step. And therefore, we have to put a sign out saying, you know, if you if if uh, you want wheelchair access, please ask us. There is a ramp available. Suitable bathrooms or stairlifts. So, although the scheme can cover the full cost of works needed, the maximum available grant is actually six thousand. 
Okay, so it's a, a decent enough grant there for, for that as well. And it goes up a, a bit if, uh, for senior citizens as well. You know that housing aid one, it's a little bit higher, is it? Yeah, the sim- yeah similar to the uh, mobility aids grant scheme, this scheme, again, exists in order to facilitate older people with probably more complex needs to live at home by upgrading their properties. So the maximum amount there is 2,000 more. Uh, I will say that this, though, the mobility aids grant scheme, uh, in order to qualify for that scheme, you have to have a yearly income of less than 30,000. So, you know, mm. th- th- that's, th- th- it won't be for everybody. Yes, okay, and those criteria are available there as well. Yeah. John, while you're with me, I just want to move on to something else, uh, because we might as well kill a couple of birds with the one stone <laughs> when we have your precious we're, moments. We're golf now, Jerry, uh, right? Well, forget about that for a moment, because this is more pressing with me. I was on holidays last week, and yeah. while away I had a credit card bill. Uh, yeah. do you, now, do you know how much the credit card bill was for, John? No. I'm, I'm going to tell you, 99 cent. It's I one of these do. things I pay for, I think it's a cloud space or something for my phone, right? <laughs> John, I... Uh, that's, you're, you're, you're uh, I mean, a model, role model, Jerry. I'm a role model. I try not to, I do my best yeah. not to pay them interest. That's been my philosophy all my life. I've tried to provide for that. Yeah. And yeah. thankfully, I've been lucky enough to be able to. But 99 cent and... By the time I got home from holidays, I knew there was nothing really there, but I forgot about this recurring 99 cent, and John, I just got stung. <laughs> 99 cent has cost me €7.50, John. What? Yes. And why was that? What, what did they put down as, as the, the charge? A late payment charge, oh, John. no, I don't believe it. Yes. Yeah, this is the problem. This is the problem. You know, if you have late payments and... Um, it's also a little bit on the record as well, which is annoying as well. Mm, I, t- I did scroll down and I do see it there. But, you know, they couldn't get me on the interest because the amount was so small, even with an accumulation. Uh, you know, over a few days, they wouldn't have much to take from 99 cent or to add on to 99 cent. But I just wanted to mention it to you and say, I suppose it's a warning for people. If you have even small amounts and you're late, they will hit you. Well, you're, that, that's cost you, Jerry, 757%. Yes. <laughs> John, thanks. You've just made my day. I feel even better about it now at this stage. But <laughs> Dear me. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't realise, you know, late payments. You know, I, well, the only thing is I, mine is on a, on a direct debit, so it comes into my, my account and yes. it's just paid off. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm, I'm never late. <laughs> you're wiser than me even because I like to have a little bit of control still, but I just mentioned it today. I said I'd mention it to you and mentioned it to listeners well, actually, as well. Let me ask you a question. Um, when you were away on holiday, did you turn off your mobile data? Uh, I had very good Wi-Fi where I was staying, I have to say, and I use that all the time. Uh, my mobile data... No, it was probably on, John. But it's free. No, oh, listen, I'm on. Oh, John, you, will you I might, tell you? You might get out of the hotel and you go to the next venue where you yes. go to a meal and you put, switch on your Wi-Fi. But during that period, you, you've accessed, you know, how, how maybe, um, you know, the, the program is doing and, and various other things. And it's cost you money. But John, I'm I'm on. I have to say, I'll put my cards on the table. I'm with Vodafone. I'm on this red package or something yeah, that yeah. they said to me. I'm sort of free in Europe. No. Well, I can tell you uh, uh, from experience. I was on um, the ferry going to Cherbourg, and when you're on in the sea, and, and my mobile data uh, was off because I knew um, you are charged outside of the, the the red connect, whatever it is. Yes. Because you're not in Ireland and you're not in France. You're in the sea, and it's phenomenal charges they, they have if you use your mobile, because you can't get Wi-Fi on the boat. Right. So you know, what I, you're saying to people is, be careful with the data roaming. 
Yeah, that's it. So, you know, whenever I'm abroad, outside of Ireland, I just switch off my mobile data. Then it's you're protected. And what you do then is, where you're staying, obviously, there was brilliant Wi-Fi where we were, that you pick it up there and do whatever you have to do. That's or you can go to a restaurant or pub. Yeah, yeah. Most they'll... places have them now, have Wi-Fi, and they don't charge. So, But if, if you leave your mobile data on, you're, you're going to uh, run the risk of building up a bill. Mm. John, back to my... You really have to get none of my skin now at that seven hundred percent. Now my now my gander is really up, John Low. It's a good job you're not on the first team with me today. There's no way you're winning. <laughs> John, here's the thing I wanted to ask you now. That's I'm with Bank of Ireland, okay? Yeah. And uh, is it difficult to transfer, you know, to leave that bank and go to another bank with my business? Well, are you talking about current accounts now? Yes, and yeah, you're just with in current well, accounts is all I have, yeah. You mentioned that question because it's come up today uh, uh, in uh, central bank statistics uh, where they've basically said that they've, you know, uh, trebled the amount of money that's in current accounts that people are not switching. I think it's more than, it's more apathy than everything else. Mm. So if you're being charged... Um, there is actually no ch- charge for you to switch to another provider. And actually, um, there's a consumerhelp.ie uh, forward slash current accounts. They give you, uh, which is the central bank or the, this new competition and um, uh, CCPAC, uh, they're the new body. Um, but their consumerhelp.ie, they have... Um, uh, fantastic uh, uh, comparisons of all the current accounts that are available from all the providers. And it's certainly worth your while to, even just to check out to see what are you paying within, with your current uh, provider mm. and is it worth your while switching over if, if you're not going to be charged or you're going to be charged less. You know, John, you say there that there's an apathy, but the other thing as well is, and it would put me off, you know the way you have standing debits and different things with accounts, yep. and you're inclined to say, is, you know, is it really worth it changing or switching for all that's involved there's with that? There's a bit of hassle, there's a bit of hassle, but, but they should really facilitate you and, and help with, with that change as well. Um, they're supposed to, uh, each provider is supposed to uh, make it easy for their own customers to leave mm. and to accept new business as well. Okay, so all right. If, 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 if it's, it's down to, at the end of the day, you know, it's down to the cost as well. Yes. And, well, and the, uh, the, the ease of access. And if, for instance, you're looking for an overdraft facility and you get it from provider B far easier than provider A, then maybe that's the reason why you want to go. By mm, God, Bank of Ireland might just regret that seven euro fifty yet, John Lowe. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you go for today. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us, John. Lovely, Lovely to talk to you again. Bye-bye. Take care, you said. Bye bye. That's the money, Doctor John Lowe. There. Somebody asking us: Would uh, anyone on Job Seekers uh, be entitled to these grants? Yes, you are. If you're a homeowner, if you own a home or an apartment or whatever, uh, the criteria are there. Go in and check this out. There's lots of grants there. I couldn't believe it myself. All that's available and the amount of monies that are there and you get more of you uh, actually decide to do a number of jobs as well go in and check that out it's well worth it www.seai.ie up next on late lunch the plight of the wild atlantic salmon news reaching us in the last few days about the wild atlantic salmon you do know and we've talked about it on late lunch over the years with my next guest that the numbers have been declining severely but a a number of salmon are returning in the month of june to irish rivers on the east and west coast showing signs of bleeding and skin ulceration i'm joined on the line well what can i say about this man he's just ireland's foremost fish scientist he's a brilliant angler 
He's written books. He's made films. He's chaired international bodies on the salmon. Dr. Ken Whelan, good afternoon. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for taking my call, Ken. I know you're busy today, but I wanted to just touch on this with you. Ken, what's happening? Well, the honest truth is we're not actually sure because I first started to see uh, photographs in relation to this probably in uh, the end of May, about the last week in May. And I saw some images coming in from uh, Norway. And then I saw a few images then later on in early June coming in from Scotland. So in reality, what we're finding is that uh, we're finding fish with what can be described as a very severe red rash along their tummy. And uh, as a result of that, then subsequently, they tend to get a white fungus that fishermen would know uh, that you see on fish that are anyway damaged or fish at spawning time. So samples have been taken in Norway and Scotland and Ireland, and the vets are working very hard on it at the moment. But at this stage, we really don't know what we're dealing with in terms of uh, the particular problem. Now, these do happen in fish from time to time. But obviously, given that the stocks are very low generally of salmon, we're quite concerned about it and need to get an answer as soon as we can. Anglers of uh, earlier generations, including myself, would remember the UDN uh, and it was a, a horrific disease that these fish got. Is there any potential link to that or suspicion of it or is it not related, would you say, at all? Uh, first of all, I think it's, um, it's uh, important to say that we never actually got to the bottom of UDN. Um, it was a whole series of different things that actually came about you and I will probably remember the symptoms, which were ulceration on the fish, large sort of reddish wounds, and again, that white fungus. But in reality, the UDN, or the, the problem that was there during the UDN time, that occurred at a time when the water temperatures were very, very low and tended to clear up as the water uh, got warmer. In this particular instance, the fish are coming in in relatively warm conditions in comparison to what they'd come in uh, to rivers in in spring. And it, it doesn't appear to have that particular aspect to it. In addition, um, I haven't seen any of these fish personally. I've just seen photographs that doesn't appear to be the same uh, ulceration as there would be with UDN. And as I say, it seems to be um, it seems to be a very, very heavy and very severe red rash that then gets the secondary infection, which makes it look even worse and, and uh, really very unsightly indeed. And you can't say, obviously, at this stage, Ken, whether it's seaborne or freshwater-borne when they hit the rivers. No, we don't. We don't know that. And, and my colleague uh, Paddy Gargan, now from IFI, was on the radio yesterday, gave a very fulsome uh, description of what they'd been finding, and all the information people need is on the Inland Fisheries Ireland website in terms of what to do and who to contact. The one thing I would ask, though, generally, Jerry, because we have two problems at the moment, not just one. We have an increasing problem with a plague, a crayfish plague. And uh, we know that is highly virulent. We know exactly what it is. But unfortunately, it is, it is still spreading. And I think generally, whether you're dealing with fish that are diseased and we don't know the cause or whether it's a crayfish plague in rivers, I think anglers and water users, we have to be more and more conscious of biosecurity. And we have to try and take care if we're moving, particularly from one river to another, to make sure that we do what the New, Le- New Zealanders tell us to do, to check, clean and dry. And drying out the gear is by far the best way to prevent the spread of any of these nasties. And certainly if an angler catches a fish, because these fish, even with the red tummies, are willing to take a fly or take a spinner, if it lands, en- ends up in your landing net, 
do please take normal biosecurity precautions in terms of that landing net and lines and so on before you go fishing again. And I think it's a very cautionary tale to us in terms of what we need to be doing to make sure that with climate change and so on, any uh, anything that might come in by way of parasites or diseases or whatever, that we're very conscious that uh, we can spread these and we do need to take just normal precautions. These majestic fish, of course, and I was reading Dr. Kieran Byrne from Inland Fisheries just a few weeks back. Uh, Scotland report, reporting a collapse in returning numbers of fish. Ireland not faring well either. Uh, when you look at the stats, for every 100 salmon smolts, which are the little fellas that leave their native rivers to go out into the oceans to feed, uh, 30 used to return to spawn. In recent years, Ken, just three or four. This is potentially another hammer blow, is it? It is. Absolutely, in the sense, that's what, that's what I was saying, I think, a little earlier, in that it couldn't come at a worse time when, when the mm. stocks are under a lot of pressure. But just to give people some encouragement, um, this Sunday now I head off to Denmark because for the next week we, we've had a unique and very generous offer. There's a group called the International Council for the Exploration of the Seas, quite a mouthful, but they actually advise the skippers in terms of how many mackerel and how many herring and so on they can take at sea. So they are the gurus in relation to the upper layers of the ocean. And that's the very place where we think a lot of salmon are actually finding problems at the moment because we believe that those areas are getting warmer. So because this is the International Year of Salmon, ICES have actually thrown open their doors to us salmon scientists to actually work with their, with their experts and to try and get to the bottom as to what exactly is happening in those upper reaches of the ocean. And it may be indeed that the issues we're seeing now with the salmon coming back may be linked in some way to feeding or to a loss of particular elements within the food. So, again, it may be well linked, but I'm really pleased that we're now getting the opportunity to work with our colleagues on the marine side and look in detail at the life of the fish at sea and see why those numbers are just so dramatic. And certainly, Kieran's absolutely correct, of course, that we're looking at ridiculously low numbers in comparison to the past when we used to have perhaps 20 or more salmon coming back out of every 100 baby salmon going to sea. And as you say, now looking at, at five or less. Yes, it's shocking. Ken, I wish you well on the trip and we'll talk again, I'm sure, as the year unfolds about this such interesting subject and such wonderful creatures they are. Thank you, Ken, for joining me today. Not at all, Jerry. Always my pleasure. Thank you indeed. That's Dr. Ken Whelan there. Yes, our foremost uh, fishery scientist in this country. And it is a very serious issue for the wild salmon. God, I only uh, think of what life would be like or, you know, if we didn't have these majestic fish returning to the rivers and lakes uh, in our country. It'd be a shocking blow to lose them. Let's head in towards uh, news and weather at two o'clock in the company of the late great Philip Linnett.
Shine have been supporting people affected by mental ill health since 1979. Yes, they're celebrating this year. It's their 40th anniversary and they do marvellous work. Derek Pepper is a regional development officer with Shine and he joins me today to talk about a mental health recovery programme called Finding My Way. Derek, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. I just want to throw something back at you from your own uh, organisation, a yep. quote, if I may, and I think this is important to say before we uh, begin talking. Mental health problems are a normal part of life. People can and do recover. Mental health recovery is a process of healing and transformation that allows you to live a full life and achieve your potential. Is that it in in a nutshell? Essentially, when we talk about recovery, that's exactly what we're talking about. And recovery is a word that isn't often used, I suppose, when we talk about mental illness, because very often the focus is, is on the negative side of things. And to some people, a mental illness can in some ways become a lifelong event that appears to be very negative. And what we want to try and show is that recovery is real. People do get better. We're not necessarily talking about a cure, but we're talking about a situation where people get to a point in life whereby they learn how to manage that mental health difficulty and go on to enjoy the life that they want to enjoy. Now, to achieve that, it takes an awful lot of dedication and commitment from the individual, but also some support. And I suppose that's where an organisation like ourselves comes into the equation, where we provide that additional support to the individual to enable them to achieve what they want to achieve on that journey of recovery. Be that help with independent living, uh, relationships, employment, education, um, and also just the day-to-day matters and issues around trying to manage their own mental health, uh, the practical issues and things that can arise for a person. So we're there to provide support to an individual with all of those. Because, as you rightly said... Having a mental health difficulty is normal. A mental health difficulty is an extension of emotional distress. Emotional distress is something that as human beings we will all experience. We are emotional beings by nature. So to have a mental health challenge is normal. And also the fact that very often when we hear the the expression mental health being used, there's a negative connotation attached to it. Immediately people jump to the conclusion that a mental health equals a mental illness. That's not the case. We all have mental health. Hopefully today... Your mental health is good, and I like to think that my mental health is good. And when I say my mental health is good, what I'm essentially saying is that from an emotional perspective, I feel happy in myself. But also the relationship that I have with the world around me is very positive. I don't feel threatened by the world around me. I embrace it. I feel that life is good. Life is positive. There's lots of opportunities for me. So for me, my experience of life at the moment is very, very positive. And as a result, emotionally, I feel very good. However, we know that in a split second, with a phone call, that can change. Life can change forever in a split second if I get a phone call with news that I wasn't expecting. So as a result of that, we also have to accept that if we all have mental health, that mental health will be challenged at some stage. So to have a mental illness as a result of that is a normal human experience. We will all experience emotional distress at some stage in our lives. We will all experience some level of depression at some stage in our lives. For some people, that will become a more clinical issue whereby they may be diagnosed with clinical depression or another type of condition like bipolar disorder for example or schizophrenia but you could say an awful lot of these clinical diagnoses they all have their origins in emotional distress and that's where things begin do most of us or the majority learn to cope with that you know you mentioned Derek there that something hits you today and in a way either by yourself or your immediate family or friends or whatever, you get this coping mechanism and you deal with it and move on. And that happens to 
most people most of the time, yes. Exactly. I mean, life experience, education, family support, support of friends, maybe not even being fully aware of the amount of supports that we have through work mm. and, and other extended friendships and colleagues and so on. So you're right, for an awful lot of us, we're able to sort of manage our way through yes. these obstacles we experience in life. But every now and again, something will sort of come in from left field and we won't be ready for it. And Derek, how then do you know that, you know, there are physical symptoms or, or mental signs mm. that maybe I need a little more here now? You could see in many ways anxiety is sort of the precursor. Anxiety and extreme acute stress are the precursors to the development of these conditions. And every individual is going to respond or react to anxiety and stress in different ways. It's important that as individuals we get to develop an awareness of ourselves so that I know when I am stressed. So if I was to look at myself in particular, I know I get certain joint pains. You know, I I will get blurred vision. I find it hard to concentrate. You know, I have no appetite. I can't sleep. Different things for different people. But I'm very aware of my physical reactions to my stress. I also, I'm also aware of how I, I react emotionally to stressors and also behaviourally. Because when we're stressed, they're the three main areas that are affected. Our physical being, our emotions and our thinking and our behaviour consequently. Those three main areas are affected. So I have a good grasp on myself when I'm stressed. And I think it's important that everybody has that understanding. What am I like physically? What is my thinking like? And what is my behaviour like when I'm stressed? So that when I see those changes beginning to manifest themselves in me, I'm able to take a step back and say, okay, hang on a second. My body is telling me I'm stressed. What am I going to do now to manage that? So that it doesn't turn into something much more acute and possibly something much more clinical then. So we have an opportunity and I suppose a a responsibility to ourselves to make sure that we identify these things and manage them when they occur. Aren't we fragile, Derek? I'm just sitting here looking at you as you you speak there and and reflecting on myself and physically in life as human beings and mentally as well, we are. We we are so fragile. Very much so. If you consider a simple statistic that one in four people will experience a mental health difficulty at some stage in their life. And when I say one in four people, I'm talking about one in four people will have to engage with a psychiatrist and a mental health team. That's not the people who are at home today who are feeling anxious because maybe they have exam results coming out or they have a job interview or maybe they're having difficulties at work. As you said earlier on, these are the life experiences that we all have that make us feel anxious and worried. But as a result of that, if that goes unchecked, one in four people will develop a clinical diagnosis that demands the support uh, of a, a, a medical professional. So that's a lot of people. When you think about it, that's a significant proportion of our population. If you think about it like this, when you walk down the street this afternoon, every one in four people that you walk by, you can be pretty much guaranteed that one in four of those people is engaging with a mental health professional somewhere. The thing about a mental health difficulty is that it's hidden. So that as you're walking down the street, maybe you're in difficulty yourself, but everybody else looks like they're fine. And you're looking at the world around you and you're saying, I wish I could be like everybody else because it is a hidden illness when the reality is there are an awful lot of people out there who may be struggling just as you are at the moment, but you can't see it. And unfortunately, we don't talk about it enough because there is a huge stigma around mental illness. And that remains because you mentioned their relationships. You mentioned your work, you know, of your off work. And uh, then you have to come back and and try and get back into the run of things again. That's still there. That stigma hangs. Very much so. And I suppose you can break stigma down into two areas. You have the general stigma that affects society. But as a result of that, then, we can do what we call we self-stigmatise, where I sort of buy into these notions. So, for example, if I have 
depression and I'm on medication. Perhaps I may have believed beforehand when I was well that somebody who has depression, well, they're not able to work and they're not able to drive a car and maybe they're not able to live independently or to enjoy a relationship. So if it happens that I become depressed and I find myself on antidepressant medication and dealing with a psychiatrist, there's a danger that I might buy into those beliefs for myself and believe that, well, I can't drive my car and I can't go to work and I can't enjoy a relationship. And tragically, that's what happens. So it's very, very important that people realise that recovery is real. And we hope that with the work that we do in Shine, that we're able to get that message across, improve awareness amongst the general public that we will all experience some degree of a mental health difficulty at some stage in our lives. And it's very important that we all know that we can get beyond that. It's not to say that it's easy. It is a challenge. And at times we do need the intervention of medical professionals. But there's an awful lot that we can do for ourselves to complement the support we get from the mental health professionals to enable enable us to enjoy that experience of recovery and get better and live the lives we want to live. You might just take us through some of those because your organisation has an excellent uh, tips for recovery. So you might mention some of these things for people listening today. You mentioned the one in four, you know, who may be travelling this journey. Give us some of them. It's very, very simple. And and often it's just common sense. Sometimes people sort of come to me and they say, what do I have to do? And I remember having a chat with a a friend of mine in the car one day, talking about stress and anxiety. And he says, how do I manage stress? How do I deal with this? And I said, an awful lot of it is common sense. It begins with the everyday things. We have to look at our general lifestyle. And essentially that involves looking at our diet. What am I eating during the day? Am I getting the right amount of sleep? And am I physically active? Now, when I talk about being physically active, 30 minutes a day of a good brisk walk, it's amazing the difference that that will make to your mental health. Uh, But as I said, if you align that with having a good healthy diet uh, and getting the right amount of sleep, they're the first essential building blocks. But outside of that then, uh, social engagement, being socially active, being out with friends and family. Sometimes when we feel challenged mentally and emotionally, we tend to isolate ourselves and cut ourselves off from people. We don't want to share our problems because we feel that we're a burden. We feel that we're annoying the people around us. We shouldn't do that. That's the time when we need to speak to people most of all. We need to be able to share our issues with friends and family because very often that's where the most immediate line of support will come from. After that then, if I still find that I'm in difficulty, that's when I sort of have to raise my hand up and say, well, listen, I need some additional help. And that may mean going to a GP, you know, and sometimes people find that hard to do because there's an element of maybe admitting defeat. You know, sometimes people feel I should be able to deal with this on my own. You know, I shouldn't have to reach out to anybody else. But as I always say to those people, I say, well, if you have an acute pain in your chest some some evening and that pain goes down your left arm, you're not going to take a chance. You're not going to think that you can deal with it. You'll pick up the phone and you'll ring a doctor. It's the very same with our mental health. You know, I go back to that notion. If I become very aware of my reactions to stress and what I'm like when I'm distressed, and if those sort of reactions become consistent for a couple of weeks or more, I need to take that seriously. And that's when I need to pick up the phone and call my GP. That's essentially, when we talk about the medical intervention, that's where that begins. So whilst the practical everyday things we can take care of ourselves, awareness is a big part of it also. And awareness of what I'm like when I become distressed. And if that lasts for a couple of weeks or longer, two weeks or longer, and I've spoken to friends and family and I'm still not getting any better, then we have to go and reach out to the medical professionals for help. 
Derek Pepper is with me on Late Lunch. There's a new programme. It's called Finding My Way. Shine are celebrating 40 years. And we're going to tell you about this programme that's happening from the 1st of July in Trim in a few moments. Derek Pepper, who's the Regional uh, Development Officer with China, is with me on Late Lunch. We've had a call from a listener, uh, Derek, and uh, they want you to talk, if you could, for a moment or explain bipolar disorder symptoms and what way would a person be feeling? Yeah, bipolar disorder is regarded as being a mood disorder. So essentially it affects a person's mood. And what can happen is a person's mood can fluctuate between highs and lows. Now the lows are depression, a very deep and very acute depression. The highs that I refer to are what we call mania. And people may be familiar with the term manic depression. Manic depression and bipolar disorder are exactly the same thing. You could say bipolar disorder is the new name for manic depression. We spoke about stigma a little while ago. Manic depression became so stigmatised that they changed the name of it. But essentially, as I said, you have that sort of fluctuation between the depressed phase and the manic phase. Now, when we speak about that high manic phase, that can sort of manifest itself in different ways in different people. For some people, they can become extremely energised, extremely hyper, you could almost say. And this will show itself in lots of different ways because a person may have what might be regarded as being very grandiose ideas uh, and plans, things that they want to do. Um, They may become, let's say, very enthusiastic when it comes to spending you know, spend a lot of money without really thinking about the consequences or the fact that maybe I can actually really pay the bills at the end of the month. Um, Sometimes people can become more agitated, you know, uh, so that maybe you have somebody who normally is quite placid, but when they're in that sort of manic phase, they can be quite agitated, quite touchy, so they can. But as I said, the other side of it is that they just appear to be so full of energy, they don't need to sleep. Some people with bipolar disorder could go days without sleeping and not experience any fatigue at all. Uh, There are some very well-known individuals with bipolar disorder, uh, Stephen Fry being one, uh, Alistair Campbell being another. And Stephen Fry in particular would always talk about the fact that very very often the the best work, the most creative work he has done is when he's in that manic phase because he is so energised. To somebody on the outside, he may seem super happy, you know. Uh, People very often talk very quickly, so they do, because they've got that many thoughts and ideas in their mind that it sort of transfers in their speech when they're talking to you. It's as if they're talking at 100 miles an hour. But as I said, that can last for a period of time. And it differs from person to person. For some people, it can be for a short period of time, maybe a few days. In other instances, it could be for a few weeks or a few months that a person is in that sort of high manic phase. Now, if you think of it, when somebody is that sort of excited, if you want to use that expression, other issues can arise, particularly around drug and alcohol dependency. That can become a problem. Uh, but as I said, and a lot of that because of the, the poor sleeping patterns, because the person isn't necessarily looking after themselves, eating properly and so on. But eventually then the tide turns and the person veers into the depressive side. Side of things. And the depression that a person with bipolar uh, disorder experiences is a very deep and dark depression. So it is a very, very difficult period for that person. So for anybody on bi- who has bipolar disorder, uh, they would generally be engaging with a psychiatrist. Uh, they would be treated with what we call mood stabilising medication. There may be some other additional medications that are required. But the main medication would be what we call a mood stabilising medication. And you will see these changes in behaviour in an individual. You know, very often the person with the illness will be the last person to realise that they are unwell. It takes somebody that they trust, somebody that they love, who maybe will confide in them and say, look, 
things just seem to be a little bit irregular, particularly if somebody decides to make very erratic choices about their life. Maybe they decide, I'm going to chuck in my job. Uh, I want to go and become a professional golfer or something like that, when really there was never history of anything like that before. These sort of rash, irrational decisions, you would take a step back and wonder, well, where is this coming from? And very often it's because a person is in that high manic phase. Uh, thank you for uh, answering uh, that comprehensively, uh, indeed, Derek, for, for our listener that's just come to us there this afternoon. If you want to comment, 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, back to this Finding My Way programme, uh, which will take place in the Trim Family Resource Centre starting Monday, the 1st of July and running to the 26th of August, 7 to 8.30 on a Monday evening. And there are eight... Uh, segments to this. You'll deliver one each night. That's it, Jerry. We break it down into eight different modules. So we do, and essentially it's myself delivering, but it's very important to mention my colleague Owen, who unfortunately couldn't be with me today. Owen is a gentleman with his own self-experience. And essentially the programme itself was devised by a team of people, professionals from Shine, but also a team of people with self-experience. And essentially you could say the topics that we cover on this are the topics that they picked themselves. These are the areas that they felt are most important when we talk about recovery. So you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My colleague Owen, this is essentially what we'd be looking at. So, the, the eight different topics we have the first one is understanding one's own recovery. We introduce people to the whole concept of recovery. An awful lot of people, as I've introduced at the start of the, of the, the segment, wouldn't understand recovery from a mental health perspective. So, we introduce them to that. In the second week, it's about taking ownership of my recovery. It's very much about taking that learning from the first week and getting the individuals present to start thinking about, well, what am I going to do to enhance my experience of recovery? In the third week, we look at self advocacy. And this is really important because for a lot of people who have that experience of a mental health difficulty, as a result, confidence and self-esteem can become crushed. 
And people find it difficult to assert themselves, to represent themselves and to stand up for themselves. So we try to reignite that in the individual again, enable and empower people to represent themselves when they're out and about, but also when they're dealing with doctors and nurses and people like me and everybody else. Uh, The fourth week then is about effective communication. And essentially here we look at the behaviours and the roles that we occupy when we're communicating with family members and other people. It's not necessarily about trying to tell people what they should or shouldn't say. It's about looking at myself and saying, well, how am I behaving in this interaction? And am I adding to a situation that's becoming hostile and tense? And if that's the case, how can I change my behaviour to make this a better situation? Um, The fifth week then we look at rights and entitlements. Again, going back to that notion of that loss of confidence and self-esteem, when that happens to an individual, they find it hard to represent themselves and therefore can let a lot of things slide. You know, uh, they forget about their rights and entitlements as a citizen of this country. So we try and remind them of those, but also introduce them to some legislation that's also important to people who have a mental health difficulty, like the Mental Health Act 2001, and let them know what they should expect when they're engaging with the mental health services. Because a lot of people don't fully understand what they should be receiving. In the sixth week, then, we look at occupational development and career planning. Because as I mentioned a little while ago, employment and education are vital cogs in the wheels of recovery. You know, these are essential to people. You know, if I have employment, I have my own money in my pocket. I can then have my own accommodation. I can have a social life. I can go out, I can meet people and hopefully then enjoy a relationship. So employment is vital. And again, we try and sort of encourage those discussions around employment and education. On the seventh week, it's about overcoming self-stigma. Again, I mentioned about self-stigma a little while ago. Yes. It's one of the things that can really affect people. You know, they can beat themselves up because they have this experience of an illness. What we try to do is emphasise the fact that this is normal. You know, it's not abnormal to have this experience. It's normal. And you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. You shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel embarrassed and you shouldn't feel ashamed because you're not on your own. And we hope that by having that collective experience with other people in the room, that individuals will begin to realise that and feel that, well, okay, maybe I'm not that individual I thought I was. Maybe I still have somebody who has a lot to offer, not just myself, but also my family and society in general and get back out there again. And finally, then the very last week is about building resilience just sort of looking at that general self-care like we spoke about it at at the very beginning looking at lifestyle looking at diet uh, looking at sleeping patterns and just generally how I look after myself and engage with people around me I I think it's a wonderful programme I really do and congratulations to you on putting it together and you will be delivering it with your colleague of course uh, Monday the 1st of July to uh, the final Monday the 26th of August if people want to find out more are interested listening today to get involved how? Definitely I suppose Shine is an organisation and in this particular region in my role as regional development officer it's not just about the courses we provide I provide support to people every single day on a one-to-one basis so people can ring me on the phone or we can arrange to meet face-to-face we also have support groups throughout the region we have a support group in Navin we have a support group in Drogheda we have a support group in Dundalk these are for people with self-experience and again it's simply a case that people just make contact with me and I can share with you all the details about those and we have the details of our main telephone number here 041983 Three two thousand or eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. We'll give you Derek's number. You can get in touch from, or you can email him deeppepper at shine dot ie. Derek, for the moment, wish you well with the course. I'm not surprised that my next guest floated into studio with the biggest smile on his face that you've ever seen in your life. You know him well. He's a great friend of ours on late lunch. Pat Coldrick, great to see you. 
how are you, Jerry? How are you, everybody? Uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, the 22nd of May, let me go back just about a month that the anniversary is coming up. You're still, you have to be still in a high. Let me tell them why. This man sold out the National Concert Hall in Dublin. It was just an unbelievable night, Pat. It was, I mean, you, you said it was nearly a month ago. Um, my God, it only feels like yesterday because <laughs> I've just been on a high. Um, just, I mean, it was a live stream come true for me to play in the concert hall and to be good enough uh, to play in the concert hall and then to play with the RTE Concert Orchestra uh, backing me and my music and to have it packed to capacity, 1,200 people. Sold out. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> it doesn't. And you know what I'm just thinking? Do you remember when you and I met way mm. back and you were telling us your story of, you know, leaving the guitar aside mm-hmm. and putting it in the attic and going a different route with your life and then <laughs> when the recession hit, you took it out again. You were busking close by to the concert hall, weren't you? That's <laughs> where it began, the busking. That's actually very true. Um I think I, I, I was busking there one time about 500 yards away from the place yes. <laughs> about 10 years ago and um, little did I know in 10 years time I'd actually be playing on the main stage which was Packed house. Oh, Pat. It, so it's what a story this it, is. It's all it's true. A, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah. quite amazing, really, when you mm. when I look back at it. It's, um, but yeah, you know what a journey. Did you feel you'd arrived? You know what? Many people are asked this question. When did you feel you made it in your life? Oh, well, I, I mean, I've never ever felt that I've made it, or uh, I, I never think like that. I just love making music and just love playing on stage and the bigger the better the stage and there's no bigger than the concert halls um, but like I never really feel that I've made it I, I, don't, I just love playing music mm. and I just love making people happy playing music and that's all that's it you know I know and can I say here great things happen to good guys and you're one of the good guys oh. and that's why these great things have happened to you Pat yeah, Goldrick who put this a foot in the first place just tell us a little story again of how the National Concert Hall thing happened was it your ambition or that somebody else suggested to you or how um, you know breaks are, um, you get very few breaks in the music business and um you know, you've got to be sort of patient. And, you know, I've been playing away. I mean, the album came out there last November. And I think it was really the Ophelia album that kind of uh, raised a few eyebrows and uh, was something different, something new. Um, I had Finbar Fury playing on it and John Sheehan. And there was quite a lot of interest in it and it got a lot of um, play on RTE. And I think um, it was Marty Whelan kind of suggested one morning I was on talking to him, wouldn't your music sound great with the concert orchestra? <laughs> And uh, I said, God, oh gosh, it would. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the spirits are working because um, at the end of December, I got an invite from the orchestra to perform my music with them on the 22nd of May um, uh, this year. So um, just, <laughs> you know. This thing of, you know, karma in life or yes. things happening for yes. a reason. You really believe all these connections were made in that fashion? No question. At mm. this stage in my life now, and I have a totally different outlook on life now, probably more, a little bit more spiritual, but the things that have happened to me over the ten year, last 10 years have just been incredible. I mean, you, you know, you couldn't write the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you see, yeah. but Pat, you know, hard work talent. I know you have to have a little bit of luck on that as well, but you have the talent. You can play, you can write, you can perform. I'm not one bit surprised that you're up there on the stage well, in the NCH. If I may say one thing, um, you know, everybody's gifted in their own way and, and, and um, 
like music was maybe mine. It's my, it's my passion. And I mean, this is what I'm doing in life again. And I've always said it to people, always make sure that what you do in life is what you're passionate about, you know, and what, if you can work at that and um, that's what you do. Because I think good things will come along from that because really what you're doing, your passion, your, your inner gift, you're sharing that with people. And and I think that's a good thing is to share something that you have with others. And I think that provides a good spirit. And I think, you know, giving you shall receive. Um, so maybe there's a lot in that, you know. If the whole a world, great message. If the whole world adopted that attitude, should there be no war? There wouldn't you know? be a bother in the place. Know, You're simple. so right, Pat. Now, I do want to mention that he's packed out the National Concert Hall. And you mentioned, of course, uh, John Sheehan was there with you. Finbar mm-hmm. Fury on mm-hmm. the night as well. And we have to mention Brian Bourne, don't we? Because he's uh, had a great time himself lately. Indeed. Um, also, if I may say, and I'm not even at my good friend Peter Eads, who oh yes, uh, he was in the concert Peter, with yes, me as well, yeah. and and uh, Peter's uh, who has produced all my albums and fantastic musician, um, Brian Bourne, legend, absolutely. It was a wonderful occasion because the great Brian Bourne. Um, was conducting and arranging the music on the night. So it was, Navin took over the concert <laughs> hall. There was buses run. Talk <laughs> yes. about the Leinster final on, on, on Sunday yeah. in Croke Park. It was Leinster <laughs> final day in the National Concert Hall yeah. on the 22nd of May for this man with all the people that went up from but, the town as well. But then but, the, the following week, yes. uh, Brian had his own show in the concert hall, uh, The Angel of Broadway, and for two nights, which was a huge success. And again, loads of Navin support. And it was like Navin took over the concert hall for, <laughs> for about three weeks in June. That town, yeah. the talent that's in it. I'm telling you, between comedians and music, Musicians and sports people. She has happened made over there. Must be the water in the boin or something on the black water that you're uh, uh, feeding off. I don't know what it is. Oh, the good fish in the river. <laughs> don't tell me that. I could be out of here in a minute. <laughs> anyway, considering you've packed out the concert hall, no pressure I've had, no pressure on this. The Royal Mead on Wednesday next, the 26th in Navin. What's happening there? Um, good friend Peter Gersey, um, the owner of the Royal Mead, um, is completely refurbishing the um, the premises and um, is, is even though people know it is a music venue it's going to be bigger and better and much more open and so he's doing a great job in that at the minute and he's kindly asked me when I do an opening night concert you know it's a it's a kind of a, you know invitation and people why wouldn't around. he and I said I'd love to absolutely can you see the the, the flashing lights fresh from his success <laughs> at the National Concert Hall packed it out with the RTE Orchestra He's in the Royal Mead next Wednesday to open it. Why wouldn't you be? And then Spirit Store. Have you played the Spirit Store in the dock before? I have indeed. And uh, Derry Turner kindly invited me up to play. Uh, it's been a few years. I think I was one of the first artists to play the Spirit Store when they got in there. Their fabulous new sound system. Um, I don't know how long ago was that. Gosh, um, maybe four or five years ago. But um, yes, playing there um, on the 6th of July, Friday. Looking forward to that. Um I seem to have a lot of interest in my music up around Dundalk and it's always a place I love to play. Mm. Spirit Store is a fabulous intimate venue, venue so can Is that the 5th or 6th? Which is Friday? Is Friday the 5th or 6th? The 5th is 5th of July. 5th of July, yeah. yeah. Friday the 5th yeah. of July in the Spirit Store. You're there as well. Oh, sure God, they'll be baiting themselves out the door to get in there. They'll be, <laughs> swinging, they'll be swinging from the rafters. So where to from here? Pat, what's next? Ooh, what's next? How, um, do you, how do you cap that one? Um... Gosh, I wouldn't mind a holiday, but then... Uh, do you know, bring the, the guitar, Pat, really. Actually, I don't no, need a don't. holiday, because my holiday is playing... I just love playing music, you? you know. Would you bring the guitar on holiday with you? 
Um, well, I don't go on holidays because I don't feel... I don't, get, I don't get time. Okay. I haven't in the last years, but I am going to go away You're for a few to, days. Uh, yeah. But I will, of course, bring the guitar. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the language of the world and what you play is absolutely fantastic. You deserve a holiday, Pat Goldrick, after all this. <laughs> an album, sell out in the concert hall, life is great. Isn't it just wonderful? It I really see, is. Uh, it's been good. Anyway, listen, good to see you. Just to mention, Royal Mead next Wednesday, the 26th, 5th of July, the Spirit Store in the Dock, and we're going to play out with the title track from... Um, the Ophelia the new album congratulations thanks Pat. very much Drew. and well done again yeah. on May 22nd thank you very there's much there's more to come thanks very much thank you Just to mention, Drogheda District Anglers have their night at the races. It's an important fundraiser for the club. Tomorrow, Friday, at the longest day, 21st of June in Foley's Bar. Uh, the first race off there is half past nine. And they're calling on all their members and friends to come along and support them in Foley's tomorrow night. And congratulations to Carl McAlerney from McAlerney's Londis in Drogheda. He took part in the, uh, took a part in the Helen Back, which took place at Kilruddery Estate in Bray at the weekend gone by in aid of PA 
Data House. And, you know, the Landis Group, there was over 200 of them, and they've raised over 300,000 so far for Pieta House. Isn't that fantastic uh, since they began all this? But well done to Cal and taking part and completing it and fundraising for Pieta House last weekend. Now, I'm joined on late lunch by Charlie Egan from the Black Bull Inn in, in, in Drogheda. Charlie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for taking my call today. And I do appreciate it because you could probably have told us to uh, hump off, to be honest with you, considering what we're going to talk about. You are trending at this very point in time on social media, not alone here at home, but on the other side of the Atlantic in the United States as well. But for the wrong reasons, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it yeah. can be the wrong reasons, uh, Jerry. Well, um, but it was yeah you know what you know what I'm saying I'll, I'll tell this is what I'm talking about you got a review where was the review posted uh, it was probably it was April actually Jerry that's, just, that's the funny thing okay again but this was mid-April and and where was it where was the review left on what forum online Oh, it was left as um, someone put a kind of review on Facebook. On the okay, Black Bull Facebook. okay. They they were to the Black Bull Inn and they'd eaten there and they slated you in this review. But here's the thing. That's the negative side. You're right. You are trending now this very day on social media hugely because you responded. So tell us tell us about the review first and then your response. Yeah, um, I was there myself that day and we... Actually, what happened was there was uh, some people were in and they ate all their food and then complained it wasn't nice. So the floor manager, Quiva, and uh, Alex was looking after them. There was a discussion going on between them about whether to give them free desserts or not. You know, as, uh, you know, okay, sorry, it wasn't great. Alex felt that they enjoyed, you know, everything was fine. He checked back to the table and he'd done his job. So he was um, doing the best he could, gave them some free desserts and, you know, they were less very happy. Uh, the next morning was, I think, a Saturday because we had communions, and I was in, and um, they left a review on Facebook, which I think started with something like, uh, this place is a dump, or never eat here again, or something like this. Um, so that kind of got me going, because we had discussed this, you know, and we, you know, I kind of felt maybe they were having a go with the dessert and just wanted some free food. You can kind of spot these people a little bit. So um, I actually then... I was in early, so I started to review the CCTV and just to look in detail as to what actually happened, you know. Mm. I had spoken to Alex, I had spoken to Quiva, and then just to be sure, I sat down for about two hours and just looked at, you know, the timings of everything that happened since they walked in the place, how long it took to get the food, the drink, you know, there was, in, there was a number of different complaints. And then I just decided to write a response to the people, um, mainly because, thought it was unfair and uh, it was actually it was it was actually more for like you know Quiva and Alex because they care about what they do you know what I mean and it's yeah. hard to kind of find people who do care nowadays you know in, in any industry but especially in hospitality and um, you know it was it just kind of was a bit of it just bothered me that you know someone could just get on a social media platform you know lash you out of it and give you a really bad review other people can then jump on board. You know, there's an old saying I remember my granny used to say, which was, um, you know, by the time good news has got up in late boots, bad news is halfway around the world. Yeah, that's uh, so true, yeah. Yeah, and we tend to talk quicker about bad things than uh, positive things, you know? So, 
Um, so anyway, I done that and I wrote. It was actually quite funny because I wrote it. You know, I read it, looked at the CCTV, and started to write a response. Uh, it was actually on my telephone, and it was about three o'clock, I think, because communions were coming in. The second wave was coming in about five, and as I was right, I was nearly finished the the response, and next thing is my phone just died, and I was like, oh, so. I had to go on there, go on there, go out and go for a little walk as my phone was charged and have a chat with myself. And I remember thinking, is this the best use of my time? I'm going to have to write this again. And I nearly didn't actually write the response. And then I went, no, actually, I'm going to write it because it's pretty much all in my head. So I just, and I had some notes written from Times and all that stuff. So, um, and then actually it was lovely because I put up the response. I wouldn't be mad, uh, big into social media and stuff. It was actually someone who alerted me to it and said, here, have a look at your page. And then... Um, I didn't look at it for about three or four days, and then one of the guys, one of the one of the guys in the book, said to me, "Charlie, have you seen Facebook?" And I'm like, "No, what do you mean?" And they're like, "Have a look." And at that stage, there was I think maybe five or six hundred comments on there. Mm. Uh, there was obviously the first few on were quite negative, and then pretty much so many people coming on saying, "You know what? We've been to the ball. It's been really that's a really positive stuff, which was great. Yeah. Good things about Queen. Good things about the." all good things about Alex and uh, it kind of just then took off and went from there um, I thought it all kind of died down within a couple of weeks and it was kind of funny because when I was working I might go up to a table and say uh, you know clear a table and I'd, and I'd say to people I didn't realise for the first maybe few days and say was everything okay and you know the, the guy might say no the food was freezing didn't like it at all terrible you know, and I'm looking down, and then I realised he was actually just referencing the yes. review that was on. Facebook. Yes, the, the 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 bad review. But look at what has happened is, and this is remarkable. The incident happened in April. May has gone by. We're into June now, and it's really taken legs, hasn't it? Even at this stage. Yeah, it's actually a friend of mine who's a chef in New York, and he sent me a message yesterday saying, uh, "You know, Charlie, what's going on? I didn't know you wrote so eloquently with what you described it as." Uh, so I don't. I think it's actually a bit to do with the whole cuivre and the red sauce bit, and also I suppose a lot of other restaurants and places in the industry would get people who are very quick to put up a negative review. And one of the things I did say in the review is, you know what, we're humans. We will make mistakes. We will, you know, sometimes mm. something will go wrong. Uh, but this just wasn't one of them. You know. Yes, because you were happy so, having talked to your crew, reviewed the CCTV. By the way, these people ate their food, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they cleared the plates. That was the that's what started the initial querying about why they were why because the waiter they didn't complain to him and then they complained to the floor manager mm. said it was terrible and stuff. So obviously the floor manager had a discussion with the waiter and that's where the confusion kinda of came about because it was like, Hold on, like you know, everything was cleared. I think there was, was a child with them and she didn't finish her food. But everyone else had cleared everything and the response was uh, something like because they were really hungry. Mm. You know, like the white why they ate them. Because one of the things is we, we check back on the table. Uh, we try and check back on the table. You know, after we served it, and, you know, I just touch it and say, you know, is everything okay? Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure maybe there is a problem with something that does happen. And they were checked back on and everything was fine. And then once it was all eaten, it was then, you know, then, then there was a problem all of a sudden, you know? So... Mm, well, interesting. I can tell you it is. It's just gone belubas at the minute, I want to say. And uh, I think the new title will be Charlie Bites Back. Listen, thank you for taking our call. I appreciate it. 
Okay, thanks a million, Jerry. Not at all. Take care of yourself, Charlie. Bye-bye. That's Charlie Egan there from the Black Bull Inn. Check it out. Have a look at the post. You'll see what's happened. It really has taken legs, and it's a few weeks ago, as I said. But, you know, when something's wrong, it's accepted and it has to be dealt with. But, by God, when it's not wrong and you still put up a post, that's unfair. It's not right, is it? I'm sure you're familiar with that theme tune, aren't you? Yes, the jungle, etc. Well, Ershanade Brazil is taking on the Jungle Challenge tomorrow night at the Barbican Centre in Drogheda. Yes, she's taking part, along with 19 others in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Sinead is, will be on stage in the Barbican, and she has to take on those Bush Tucker trials. Best of luck to you, Sinead, in the hope of being crowned Queen of the Jungle. And we want her crowned Queen of the Jungle. Please, please, please get behind our Sinead. All proceeds for the event are going to Drogheda Homeless Aid, and you can get tickets now by logging on to DH or by calling 041-980-7416 and all the details as well are available on lmfm.ie The best of luck to you Sinead Yes, you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio and Sinead will be joining the boys in the breakfast show in the morning Christy and Seamus, yes uh, I think Seamus is going to have to do a few trials in the morning Louise What do you think? Will he be up to it? Will he pass them? Can he do them? Can our Seamus... Don't know. I'd say his teeth like iron, has he? Oh, I'd say he'll give it a go. I'd say he will. Oh, he will. But does he know what's lined up for him? He doesn't know, but he's fearless, that man. He'll he'll try anything. He'll try anything. He'll take it on, I guarantee. And he'll give Sinead a good boost and help and fortitude that she needs for tomorrow night in the Barbican as mm-hmm. well. So don't It'll miss that on the though. Brekkie show tomorrow morning. It'll be a good crack with the boys. That's for sure. Is there anything he won't eat, do you think? Won't try. Um, no, I'd say most things, you know, he'd he'd have a shot at. What's the sugar in them? <laughs> I want to juggle. I want to juggle the sugar and everything and protein and everything. No, he will. He'll have a go as well. It'll be interesting to see. I'll be tuned in there myself to see what happens as well. Hopefully, he'll be all right when I arrive around nine o'clock. And, <laughs> and we bring a bucket for him. Just you won't in be heading for the hospital or anything. I'm not. Don't want to worry you or anything, Seamus. But you know, you say you'll be all right. Don't be bothering me. Sure, I've swallowed a few things in my life that I thought about. A few them. Rennies. <laughs> fine. Louise, you can't beat the Rennie, can you? No. Ah, oh, it's the best man. Different things come and go, but the old packet of Rennie in your arse pocket when you're in trouble, when you have that little born there, it's a great job, isn't it? Or the bicarbonate soda in milk. That was an old one, wasn't it? That was mm. a, a recipe that But it used. does work better than the it Rennie. It neutralises the acid as well, does it? Mm, if, you, if you run out of Rennie. <laughs> so there's a fallback there situation. Is, yeah. The cures of yesteryear. But I knew somebody used to live on them. Packets of them. This used to eat packets of them. Never did him any good. Lived well into his 80s, to be honest with you, on Rennie. He said it was Rennie that kept him alive. <laughs> I wonder if he stopped, would he get heartburn? Oh, stop, probably. Probably yeah. hadn't had it in about no, 50 years. No, 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 no. Addicted to them. That's what you, what you can be as well. Anyway, good luck to everybody tomorrow on The Breakfast Show and Sinead tomorrow night. They'll do us proud, I'm sure. Anyway, adoption rights are... Uh, a big issue you know this Louise for an awful lot of people there are so many people in Ireland uh, 100,000 people do you know that in Ireland mm-hmm. uh, ha- were adopted or same have been number, adopted same number I believe is number of teachers in the country in yeah when, when you think about that and uh, at the moment there's new legislation passing through the doll about this but um, we met Maggie Ling on late lunch a few years ago and she wants to talk to us now because she has very, very strong views on this and she'll be with us on Late Lunch after this break.
Derek Pepper was with us a little earlier on on the show about the new Shine programme called Finding My Way. It's happening in Trim and it starts at the beginning of July. And Derek's number, somebody's been on there just looking for it and I want to give it to you. It's 086-852-5422. That's Derek Pepper, 086-852-5422. Now, we met brother and sister Paul Little and Maggie Ling on Late Lunch back in 2015. You see, the pair were reunited after 40 years, having been put up for adoption as infants. The Adoption Information and Tracing Act 2016 is presently going through the houses of the Oireachtas, but to many people who are adopted, the new arrangements fall well short of what's required, including Maggie Ling, who joins me now on the line. Good afternoon, Maggie. Hello, Jerry. Great to talk to you. And great to talk to you again on the show. Now, you would think that this is progress. Minister Catherine Zappone bringing this bill forward. Why does it fall short, Maggie? Well, kind of along the same lines of what you were talking to, um, Derek, for about regards to mental health um, and finding my way. Um, it, it basically puts adoptees on the back foot and our causes to try and move forward because Ireland is as you know, proud to call itself a progressive, open and inclusive modern society but Mm. we're not too progressive or open or inclusive if we um, exclude people um, mainly adopted people. And and why do you say this bill continues to exclude you? Where are the main shortcomings? Well the first foremost one would be that Minister Sapone in her new Adoption Act is proposing that adoptees would have to go through TUSLA and TUSLA would act as the go-between for us to get our own birth cert. So in that particular case, TUSLA, who have their obvious uh, issues, would have to try and track down or trace the birth mother. And in doing that, they would contact the birth mother and ask their permission whether we would be allowed to have our birth certificates or not. And there's a lot of issues as regards that. Okay, that is a huge issue in itself, isn't it? That even even that one alone, because I would consider that this is just my opinion. Surely that's your right. It is well. It should be our right. Um, it's a right that's not afforded to adopted people. Unfortunately, everybody else can get their birth certificate as a matter of privilege and freedom, as being an Irish citizen. Um, but adopted people are not permitted that now. The Birth, Deaths and Marriages Registry is open to the public since the 1800s and any person can go into those registries and find any of those birth, deaths and marriage registries. But you have to know what you're looking for. In adopted people's cases, the majority of us don't know the names we were given at birth. So therefore, we don't know the name that we were registered in in a, in a birth registry. So in my case, I spent, along with my husband, two days so two people, two days, in the General Registry Office up in Dublin looking for my birth certificate, not having any clue as to what my name was. So I didn't even know what the name I was looking for. Just going through on the date of birth and where I was born, hoping that my date of birth hadn't been changed, as was in the case in um, Tressa Reeves' son's case. Mm. So this could be really dealt with in a much more efficient manner and open this up um, rather than making it difficult? you still believe that these changes, even though it is a change, leaves it too cumbersome? It's definitely too cumbersome. Plus it puts the 
birth mother is in a position of, of power, um, this isn't about power. It's about equality. And equality shouldn't mean um, except you. There shouldn't be exceptions in equality. I should be able to get my birth certificate like you can get yours or like my kids can get theirs. Um, plus, it also puts them in a position of knowing that we're looking. Um, maybe they don't want to know. Maybe we don't want them to know that we're looking for our birth certificate. Mm. Um, and also, if they say no, then it would put the position back into Tusla, who would then get the Adoption Authority of Ireland involved, and then they would have like a hearing. So it's like a quasi-judicial hearing where we would have to give our different pros and cons on getting our own information, then the birth parent would come in and say why they do or do not want that to happen. Mm. Um, for something that is a public record anyway. Do you understand maybe some women who give up their children not wanting, you know, to make a connection again? A hundred percent. But this bill isn't about um, contact. It's about information, Jerry. It's about me having the same rights as anybody else. And in 2019, for me to say I'm not allowed to have my birth certificate is just unacceptable. That would be like me going up to um, somebody and saying, because you have physical disabilities, you can't have your birth certificate. Or because you are a gay member of society, you can't have your personal information. That Mm. wouldn't stand. It just wouldn't be allowed in modern society, and rightly so. Mm. But yet, adopted people are told this every day of the week. Since the last big um, change in the adoption bill, which would have been when it was enacted in 1952, so 67 years of inequality. It's a long time ago not to have a bill uh, updated. Have you, uh, you, you had you an opportunity to lobby on this or uh, to, to ask that changes be, be made? Yes, yeah. Um, adopted people and people connected to, to adoption are... Um, at the moment, lobbying our centres and our TDs, we're emailing them and calling them and going to be visiting them in their clinics to tell them that this is not a situation we are willing to stand for any longer. And um, hopefully the members of the public would stand up for us too because equality, as I say, is for everybody without exclusion. Um, we're just looking for the same rights and same privileges and freedoms as every other Irish citizen. And because of our birth status, we're not being given them. We just want to have the same as everybody else. No more, no less. And of course, if if you can trace and have an idea, there's wider implications, you know, um, in terms of our physical makeup, our adoptees' physical makeup, perhaps, you know, if they know more about their mum and where they've come from, father, etc., you know, what might lay, lie down the tracks for them in terms of health. And then, of course, the children of those adopted and you know their questions to their mums and dads about their mums and dads grands and granddads of course all that type of thing comes into play doesn't it exactly i myself was 38 before i found out my own name Mm. i was 38 before i found out the health issues that were in my birth mother's family including cancer diabetes and high blood pressure um, that affects my children i have three kids that didn't know that i didn't know that until i was 38 that's only half the story I was 43 before I found out my birth father had had two strokes and suffered from dementia. Again, all vital health information that any person would want to know. But unfortunately, adoptees are prevented from knowing because of the current situation. And if the current bill that's in the houses of the Oireachtas goes through, that's not going to change. Mm. 
Because I know, you know, when you go for a test of that, they do always ask you about your family history. We all get that. Exactly, exactly. And you wouldn't have that, and, and that's another understandable thing. And children, of course, children will ask, won't they? Uh, oh, who yes. who am I? Who are my, you know, uh, relations going back? Yeah, and, and you'd like to know where you get your talent from and your luck from and your little quirks from. Um, I, I started going grey when I was 18, believe it or not, Jerry, and now I know where I get that from. Mm. Simple things, but important things to people in life as well. So today you're calling on people to support you. Can, pe- can people listening today offer a hand here, even if they're not adopted? They can indeed, yeah. They can um, support us with a petition that's going uh, online. It's called the Atentus, which is Irish for identity. So that's www.aithheantas.ie. You go online there and you can find a petition to... Um, support adoptees which it also highlights the issues that we face and then also if you can write to your TDs and your senators even call them up and tell them that this is a situation that can't continue on in a progressive and modern open society that's meant to be inclusive and we rightly and proudly say that we are and even our um, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar says that we are yes this is not the truth at the moment there's 100,000 people in Ireland that aren't allowed their own information and their own identities, their own birth certificates. That's the same amount of people that are teachers in the country. If you were to tell 100,000 teachers they can't have their identities, there'd be a public outcry. It's a lot of people. It really is. 100,000 is is a significant number. And, uh, you know, it's you've been through it. You've seen, I suppose you could leave this aside, but you understand uh, the implications of this uh, new legislation for many others to come and who have to go similar roads uh, to yourself. Maggie, look, we hear what you're saying. I wish you well with the campaign and hopefully uh, there will be a willing ear in Leinster House to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, Maggie. That's Maggie Ling there. Uh, We heard her story on Late Lunch. It was a remarkable story. I remember it well back in 2015. But surely it's not too much to ask of. And, uh, you know, we must listen when we're legislators. That's the bottom line. People have views. They know what it's about. Take them on board. Anyway, let's see what happens with that. Watch this space. It's happening going through the uh, houses of the Oireachtas at the moment. That's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Have a lovely evening. And do join us tomorrow. It's uh, the last Friday of the month. It just means one thing. No, it's not actually. It's the second last. We're doing it early this month because we have a special last Friday on late lunch. I'll tell you about that next week. Women with Opinions, yes, it's tomorrow and the girls are in with me and we have lots to talk about. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.